So the team uh, to Peru has 26, and there's a team from Lima that joins us when we go to other places. And they had a team of 18 that went with us. So 42 of us together go to Pacapa, and um, we were able to minister in public schools, Christian schools, Catholic schools, and um, just other non-private schools. We were able to go into classrooms. We were able to meet with teachers and pray for principals and administrators. We were able to go to plazas where special permission wasn't granted until like the day before we got there that we could go to these different plazas. We went to little terraces up high in the mountains where the the team from Lima had uh, set up lights and sound systems that had never happened before. Um, we went on Saturday. We went with this. Um, the church has grown so much. They have, they have ten pastors in Lima. Wow. And they've divided up San Juan and now Hickamarca, which is another area, into different zones. And they put a pastor over each zone, and he's responsible to build up cell churches in those different zones. So this one on Saturday, we went to four places, and this guy had organized at every place we went a sound system. Uh, 20 to 30 workers who were already there and already had 100 people gathered and was engaging with those 100 people before we even got there. They had treats for the kids after we were finished. We had never seen such organization or intentionality to the mission, but man, it multiplied what we were able to contribute to and see because we would roll up and you didn't spend 30 minutes trying to draw a crowd. They were already there. So all of that time you could be you could be ministering to, to kids uh, and to the adults that were there. And so it was really, really neat. And a lot of other things that kind of spilled out after that. Um, nobody ever got sick other than me. <laughs> me for about 30 minutes and y'all prayed and that was it. end of that. Uh, Mary a little bit. Uh, we did have some dehydration. So some kids were wobbling as they were walking a couple of times. But once they drank enough liquids, that, that was restored. But I want to show this, and then one of you has to go first. There's one more seat here, and there's a seat beside Carol. That's two more so, if you want to sit together, I will sit over there. We've got a couple that want to sit All right. So, you all good? You all good? Okay. I'm going to pull this back. I'm going to turn this on. Yeah, let me just. People handle the snake. And the snake was just so big he could hardly move at all. He just sort of. And then when, but then he, he circled and he was really like way out here, but it looked like he was by my mouth. But I, and I wasn't trying to stick him in my mouth. I was going, ah! <laughs> so, um, anyway. Did you bring him with you? I did not. He probably eats too much. <laughs> um, I wanted to share, you know, when we go, we see so many things that are the same every year, like going to some of the schools that don't have any running water. Um Seeing some of the, the children, you know, they don't really have many shoes. Um, you, you, you get hit every time by the poverty. But the people are just so hungry to hear about God. And they're just so 
interested in talking with you. And it's not like here. It's just, it's just to me, that's the biggest shock again and again and again. They want to hear. They want to hear the gospel. And it's just such a privilege. I can't really think of anything else in life that is such an, an honor and such a thrill. It's like this, this big rush that you get to share the gospel with these people and they respond. It's, it's a work of God that it can't ever get over it. I guess that's what I want to say. Um, and then the Peruvian church, the people there that just lay down their lives for us. They'll, while we're there, they won't work. They'll give us every minute of the day to make sure that that we're taken care of. And we didn't we didn't come for that. We came to bless them. And but it's just the humility of the Peruvian church and their their love for the Lord and their desire to see their people come to Jesus out of. Um, different religions really i mean y'all y'all heard that before i want to share a little bit about our very last outreach we had which was friday before we flew home saturday night and this was in um chorillos uh, south of lima where jonathan's mother lives and she had been trying to get us into a school and it wasn't things just did not work out and so they were able to get us into another school at the last minute and they were saying this is a very hard school um, you know, they have a lot of, both both the high schools we went to, a lot of teenage pregnancy, um, a lot of abuse, just really heartbreaking things. When we went in there, and um, I don't even know how much to share. There's so much I don't want to go over time. But what blessed me so much that day was there was a family that Jonathan's mother had met. Um, she had met the man. He was from Venezuela, come looking for work. And so they had met him. And then over this past year, he was he was a strong believer. And so y'all probably heard before that he was able to minister to a lot of the men in Jonathan's family, which was a real blessing to, to teach them the Bible and to pray with them. Anyway, he was finally able to get his family. So he met his wife and his four children. And he was a teacher at this school. Is that right? He was a teacher there. He was a custodian. He was a custodian. Okay. Anyway, he was able to get us into that school. And in the high school, you know, that really tough when you come, and they're doing cat calls, and they're making a bunch of noise, and they were friendly, but they're just sort of unruly. And Mary was able to share her testimony, and they calmed down, and it was just, you could have heard a pin drop in that open area outside the school, and they just really respected Mary and listened to her share the gospel and share about the change that God wants to break in our life. And so afterward... We did the drama. We were able to divide up into groups of 10, and there must have been 10 or 12 groups. Uh, 18. 18 groups of 10 where we shared the gospel. And the group that I had, I didn't know it until the end, but they were all Venezuelans. They had all come within the last, some of them been there three or four months, and they were all just really drawn in, so hungry. High school children. Yes. So hungry to hear the gospel, and they were just... After it was over, um, after I shared the gospel and we gave them the bracelet and we explained, now it's your opportunity. Do you believe? That's all that God requires of us. Do you believe? He's not asking you to um, take care of your own sins. He's the only one who could take care of our sins. And they're so hungry and so drawn in. And then they, so we prayed and they, we said, now it's your turn. You have a bracelet. You go share with your family and you go share with all your friends. And there was a girl there that she had, she was crying. And so with a, the interpreter, I went over and asked her, was she okay? And she said she was a believer, but her parents would argue and fight all the time, and she didn't have any friends. 
and she didn't really know many other Christians. And so it was so wonderful that Jonathan's mother was right there. So we went over, introduced her to Jonathan's mother, and she said, oh, come to my house. I live two blocks away. I'll be your friend. Come and eat with me. Come and we'll pray together, and I'll introduce you to some other people. And it was just, you just see in the family of God take over. We just go to share, and the family of God there just takes over. Um, there was a young man in that group where I was sharing, and sometimes they're the real tough, the macho guys, and he didn't really say anything. He sort of sat out of the group. And as soon as we finished, he burst into tears. And we said, we've got to go find a man to talk with him. So we got Bill an interpreter and prayed for that young man and he received Jesus and it was just I mean you just can't find a better way to spend a day and just it's just so and 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 whenever we would go just the hunger of the people there was another another school and there was a group of boys that I, I ended up with a lot of boys I, I don't know why but I guess I looked a little different with white paint and white hair and so um Anyway, that one time they went, they said, they just kept getting closer and closer to me. And I said, oh, do you like my hair? Or is it my white? And they said, no, it's your eyes. We've not seen blue eyes before. The, the kids from Venezuela. And so that was a real shock to me. <laughs> but they were just so attentive. And these other boys in this other group, they just laughed and played joke, made jokes and giggled the whole time that we were sharing in the circle. And didn't pay attention. And then after it was over, you know, kept trying to engage them. And they said, how can we go like you go and, and be a, tell a mission about God? And I was just blown away because they act like they weren't even interested. So we got the pastor to come and he said, the first thing, do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? You must be born again. Come Sunday and I'll talk to you and we'll have lunch together. And it was just so wonderful to see him draw those four boys in just like that. That's where we meet on Sunday, back down the hill in that corner building. You guys come. And it was just... Such a such an honor and privilege to to serve with the Peruvian Church. I just I'm just I'm just always blown away at what God does. So I'll. Thank you, Julia. You're welcome. Tim, what you guys? Yeah. So first of all, I want to say thank you for all of you that prayed for our team. For our health to be strong, and, and, and like Bill said, this this year we had the least problems with with that preventing us from being in ministry, and that's the real reason that it mattered so much to me. Um, you you're running on adrenaline the whole two weeks you're there, and you're just really excited about what God's doing, and it is a lot of physical work, and, and so. Um, God was really in answering those prayers that, that we all stayed healthy and stayed in ministry um, and were able to minister in all the opportunities that he he created. Um, you know, before I went to Peru this year, I felt like the Lord was, was saying to me, you know, pray for, for three things. One was pray that our team will be a praying team, that we will that we will be known as, you know, a praying team. Those, you know, praying for praying for the team, praying for the people we're ministering to, praying for the the Peruvian church there. And I saw that that, that God really uh, worked through us uh, in, in prayer in mighty ways. And, and the second thing was pray for breakthroughs, breakthroughs spiritually um, in the team as well as in those that we're ministering to. And, and we saw that happen, you know, almost everywhere we went. I saw there was. 
there was um, ministry to the Peruvians church, to ministry to the team members, as, as well as lots of ministry like we saw in the pictures there. And, um, and then lastly, pray that God would open doors. You know, we, there's always, I know we, we have a plan, we're going there to minister, but, you know, there's always going to be resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, I was just praying that, that we would break through that um, and that um, <clears throat> God would open doors because uh, we, we needed permission to go to city plazas and set up a sound system and present the gospel <laughs> the way we usually do. And, and um, when we were there in Pocalpa, you know, we walked by the plaza where we were told we hadn't been given permission. Um, but we really wanted to go to this main city plaza. And every time we walked by, I would be praying, Lord, open doors. Turn that no into a yes. Mm-hmm. God of the impossible, you know, yes. can turn an end into a start. And um, the police station was like right there next to the <laughs> next to the plaza. So we had to, you know, get permission to, to be there. Um, and, and sure enough, I think the third day we got um, permission to come. Um, they we said got for, permission when we went out there. When we went out there, we, I mean, we, we the really went there permission, without permission, permission, praying, <laughs> praying that it was that it was <laughs> trusting that God would. No. Yeah, we, we had asked. Yeah, he just kind of pressed the door and see if it opened. Right? <laughs> that's, that's right. See, see, God, God can open that locked door, um, and I was amazed that that He did. Um, you know, for, for me, uh, you know, Julia was telling some of the stories of the people we meet, and, and I know others are going to share, too, that it just always amazes me that God draws the people at the time he does. Um, and and he, it's, it's like putting pieces of a puzzle together. Mm-hmm. There the, the thousands of pieces, and God knows where they all fit. And he brings us there at just the right time, the right people, um, so that we can minister you know, that's what God's plan is, is, is to see their lives change, to see their future changed and, and to bless them. And it always just amazes me that 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 the crowds come, that they stay and listen uh, and that they respond. I mean, you know, the word of God is powerful and active. Um, and God does what he says he he will. And, and we sure see that, that um, when we use his word, mighty things happen. Um, Um, and, and I'm always inspired and, and challenged by the people in the Peruvian church that we meet there. And this year, when we went to Polkulpa, um, there was a man named Johnny. And he served us, you know, night and day. He, he, just, he just took care of all kinds of logistics and, and, and uh, other, other needs that we had. That, that Whatever came up, Johnny was going to do whatever it took to solve the problem to get us there <laughs> to and and to work things out and um he was just i mean just a dedicated servant of the lord and and he did it with such joy and had such energy and inspiration every day um, and that that really challenged me you know to to have that kind of um, outlook and expectation of what god's going to do um there's a there's an old um phillips craig and dean song that, um uh God, I'm, 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 Lord, I'm amazed by you. And there's a, there's a line in that song, if I can remember, it says, He paints the morning sky with, morning, with miracles in mind. 
He paints the morning sky with miracles in mind. Wow. And I've thought about that song every morning for the past month. But that's what I saw God doing. Was, was God, God's created this morning, and he's got miracles in mind. And, and so, uh, you know, Johnny had that attitude, and, and it, really, it really challenged me. Um, so uh, the last thing I, I wanted to, to share was, was kind of a it's kind of a geeky technical thing, but um, I was <laughs> I was I was I mean, God is concerned with the little details and and He wants us to minister with excellence, and so when we go to Peru, we bring these battery powered sound systems, and uh, for the last few years we had three of them, and when one would feed into the next one and into the next one, that's how we chain them together. But what happens is if there's any distortion or noise from the first one, that gets passed on and amplified in the second one, and that gets passed on and amplified in the third one, and the sound isn't clear. I mean, I know as a sound guy, it can be clearer, it could be louder. And that's what I want. I want the message to get through. No noise. I want the message to get through and travel far. <laughs> so um, when I got my carry-on, it was, it was the sound system speaker, and I was looking at that thing for a couple of days after a drama. Uh, training and I was like, Lauren, what can we do to make this work better? You know, I knew all about it because I'd taken them apart in years past, and, <laughs> and so um, <laughs> I, I thought, well, what if we had what if we had this device that could have three separate outputs that were independently controlled? Then we wouldn't have to worry about you know distortion being passed on and, and amplified. So I got thinking about that. So what could I use? And and I felt like the Lord gave me this idea. He says, go look for a little mini mixer that has you know th- at least three outputs and so i did i started looking and and then i had about 20 of them and i didn't you know none of them were in raleigh i had to order it if i was going to get one so i was like Lord, which one should i get he says well look at the ones that have microphone inputs because we have to have microphones for the translators and speakers as well as the mp3 that has the the music and the soundtracks that we use so so that limited it down to about eight and then I was like, well, I need one that runs on a battery. You can't be plugging it in when you're out in the middle of a dirt field <laughs> with no lights. <laughs> and so, so I looked at the pictures, and, and I found, you know, two that had, it looked like they ran off of 12 volts. And I was like, well, I still have adapters, but I could replace that with a DC battery. So, so I, I ordered both of them, figuring I need a backup. And when it comes, I test it, and it works great. And then the other thing goes out, we need to be amplified the outputs such that they're loud, right? So if you've ever turned up your volume on your phone, and it gets to that point where it gives you that warning that says, high audio levels may damage your hearing, we needed that. Okay? <laughs> so, so, you know, so I wanted it you know, to be more than normal output and sure enough this this mixture had like a plus 12 db and plus 15 db on the knobs that meant it would do that and then i was like i need a battery it has to be small and lightweight but strong enough to run this you know for an hour yeah so so i was like where am i going to get that so i had i had some laptop batteries that were the right voltage and one of them actually had this connector, power connector, that was exact fit for the mixer. Exact. And it had a charger and everything. So I was like, and it ran off, you know, 240 power if I needed to charge the battery. So the Lord provided this new device, and, and we took, I took it there, and 
as uh, Bill mentioned, on the on the first outreach, we go to this dirt lot on the mountainside, and they had power out there, and they had their own sound system and, and uh, lights. They were leading worship when we rolled up in the bus, <laughs> and they said, "Let's hook our sound systems together." Well, now, now, now we have a technical challenge, and of course, we need it in like three minutes. So. So, but I brought all these extra cables and connectors to hook up my mixer. And sure enough, I pulled those out and we found some combination of cables to hook up our sound system to theirs. And it worked great. It was even louder than if we had ours alone. <laughs> so, and God did that many times. We went to Pocopa, we went to schools. They would have some kind of sound system. All of them were different and, and needed different connectors and cables. But in every case, I had some combination of connectors and cables. I could hook it all up. And because of that, the ministry was greater. You know, there were, there were many kids at these schools. These were not small schools in most cases. So, so it was just what we needed. You know, God was providing. We brought some of what we needed, but some of it was there. We just had to connect it all. And so for a techie guy like me, that, that was... Such a blessing. I, mean, I, I could use things I knew and understood from electronics and, you know, and, and electrical engineering in, in, in for God's greater glory. So I love it when, when we have, you know, God uses technology for his glory. Amen. So we saw that. And so we just, we just never know what, what miracles God has in mind at, at every morning that he makes. Um, every year when I go to Peru, I try to go with a theme in mind or a, um, a focus or a word or something. And um, <clears throat> this year, for me, I listened to a podcast um, because one of the girls on the team had told me about it, um, Kayla Forge. And uh, it was from um, Jonathan and David Hessler. It was actually um, Melissa Helser who, um, who did it. And um, the word for me was sustainability. And it was, and the tagline that went with that was, uh, seeing beyond ourselves to plant an orchard of the nature of God for the generations to come. Oh, wow. I'm going to say that one more time so it can soak in. Seeing beyond ourselves to plant an orchard of the nature of God for the generations to come. And so that was my prayer for this team. And I thought... You know, oh, God is going to, we're going to plant seeds and we're going to, you know, in the future see these, these seeds grow and everything. Um, but I, it really, the first part of that really blew me away because I definitely saw beyond myself. <laughs> it is not about me. So, um, anyway, God is just so involved in everybody's life and, and it's like, right, like how it all meshes together is so amazing. Like what Tim was saying, this big puzzle. Um, and um, but we saw trees in all different stages from years past. We saw people sharing and thing you know got things that we'd done in the past. We saw fruit from that, and we saw fresh fruit. So it was just an amazing, amazing time. Um, I have so many things, but I'm going to cut some out. <laughs> Maybe there'll be other times. Um, but I wanted to share a little bit about my friend Nancy. 
We went to see her on the pre-trip, and I always say something about her. But this year, we saw her in a new perspective. Um, she was in a bus accident about 10 years ago and broke her neck, and she's a quadriplegic. And so um, we really connected a number of years ago, and every year I try to go see her. And so this year we went before the team got there. And while we were visiting with her and her husband, Wilder, there was a knock on the door. And there was a little boy that came to, the, to her room, and uh, he had a book. And he went over to her and was, was holding the book, because she can't hold the book. And um, I learned that she is like the mother of a neighborhood. And that the kids come to her, and she helps them learn to read. And it was just, you know, I was just so blown away and so thankful that God had a place for her to, um, to share and to, and to um, minister to this little boy. And later we learned that not only does she do that, but there's a lot of turbulence in that little boy's family. And he, um, there's a lot of fighting going on. And as a result of that, he wets his bed at night. And his mother uh, beats him for that and yells at him and Nancy doesn't like that and so she's talked to the mom and the mom wanted to put him in diapers and 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 she's like no no that's not good for him you need to get him up at night and and the mom didn't want to do that and so Nancy said well how about if he comes and stays with me and so she, this little boy comes and spends three four nights a week at Nancy and Wilder's house and Wilder gets him up and takes him to the bathroom in the middle of the night and if he makes an accident, Nancy says, why didn't you pee more? Is that all you could do? I mean, she just, you know, you just, I'm just blown away, you know, by what God can do in, in a lady that can't use her arms and legs. You know, he's, it's just amazing. Pray for Wilder. Pray for Wilder. He's got a lot on his shoulders, and he is just a man of God. Um. So um, a, another situation, we, uh, we work together with uh, Dr. Rubin, and he has been on many, many mission trips with us. He is a dentist, and he um, he's just has a heart uh, to use his skills to help his people. And um, this year I got to connect more with him. I got to meet his wife, who's also a dentist, and his daughter, who helped translate with us. And um, I always ask him, because I have a background in dentistry, you know, what, what is it like? And, and he shared with me, um, you know, that it's always really hard um, because he sees so much that needs to be done in the, in the yeah. dentistry area. Um, but next year, he wants to have a, a portable drill, and he wants to treat 2,000 patients. And he wants, um, you know, he wants to even go beyond Peru. He wants to go to other countries. And, and share this gift. And I thought, you know, Ed Dorsey would be on this in a minute. And um, he is my 95-year-old almost father. He's not my biological father, but has been a father for 36 years for me. And I, I shared with him about that, and it's like, yeah, absolutely, no problem. I will get this portable drill. So, um, so we've got funding for that for next year. I'm still researching what to do. If you all have any ideas on that, let me know. Um, so, um, that is, that was really cool to, um, to connect with him in that way. Um, so his daughter, um, Alanis was our translator and, um, so speaking of translators, I want to share a story 
um, because God works in so many different areas. Um, we had we had a plethora of translators this year. It was really wonderful, and a lot of new new people that we'd never mm-hmm. worked with before came and joined. And one day there were two girls that that got on the bus and they were real shy and they sat together and were talking to each other. And we went and we did a drama and then. Um, Afterwards, we got back on the bus, and, and they were going to sit together again. And I said, why don't you sit with me? And um, so I sat next to a girl named um, Angela. And um, as the bus was pulling out of the drama site, we go by this cemetery, this huge cemetery. And they're, they're like, stacked up. Uh, they have these blocks, and they're just stacked up really tall. And um, they're selling flowers all up and down the street for people who want to go see their relatives. And we drove by, and she says, um, my sister and my father are buried there. And I was like, oh. And then she told me the whole story. And she said um, her sister was riding a motorcycle, <clears throat> and she lost control near, this di- near a really dangerous river. And um, the motorcycle fell on top of her in the river and broke a lot of bones, and she couldn't get up, and she died. And um, a year later, her beloved alcoholic father died. And so they were both buried there. And I, I could just see she was just carrying so much hurt. Mm. And um, right then, when she finished sharing, and I'm comforting her and everything, Bill talks to another translator and says, Would you share your story? And so he got up and shared his story. And then Bill says, Does anybody else want to share their story? And I said, Angela, would you like to share yours? And she said, no, I'm too shy, but I'm okay if you do. <laughs> so, okay. So I share her story. And, you know, so the team is there, and, and they're connecting with her and giving her support and, and talking with her throughout that day. And the next day, she shows up again, and she's ministering and helping our team. And we go to this marketplace, and, um, and Rebecca Hargraves gets up there, and she has lost her sister and she's sharing her testimony about how she lost her sister and I go wow this is a God thing and I'm looking for Angela and she's just like right here and I reached out and I grabbed her hand and she she just fell into my arms and I just knew you know God is doing a healing who can knit all this together I can't you know only God can do that it was just such a God moment um so that was Angela um She's really sweet. We were really blessed with amazing translators. There was one that was even 12 years old that came. Her name was Mia. She was great. Um, there was um, there were some funny times when a dog snatched baby Jesus and ran off with a baby Jesus in a blanket, and Bill Etheridge just chasing the dog, and we were in the middle of the drama. It was wild. So... Um, I got to share um, my testimony at a huge public school that was really kind of intimidating. It was, it was like one of those places where you knew that there was a lot of drugs and, and alcohol and abuse, and and um, it was uh, my my story is a, a story of abuse, and so it just really, uh, you know, I was going, oh God, how <laughs> scary! How do you get these kids quiet so they'll listen? And Bill got them quiet for me. And, and then you know I shared just a little bit, and then um, of my of my story, and then you know you know if you're if you are if you've been abused, you know God can 
God wants to be the lifter of your head, and He wants to bring healing. And and um, anyway, I shared some things, and then um, afterwards, I talked to the English teacher who was so thankful that we had um, brought some values into the school. He was he said, "There's such a need for that in the school. They're, they don't get a lot of that." And um, he shared about how how much um, pregnancy was an issue. Um, and abuse and all of that. Um, kind of like the one Julie shared. This is a different school. But the survey asks, how have you changed? <laughs> and um, probably more than I realize. Um, oh, there was one moment I was the mime again in the story, <laughs> in the drama. You know, first I'm happy mime. And then evil comes in, and, and I'm uh, greed, and I'm, Tim and I are greed. You know, we're like this. And then um, Tim changes um, at one point in the drama, and he becomes the cross, or Bill Etheridge. They both switched off. And my head was like right here at, at Tim's head. My, you know, here's, here's Tim's hand, and my head is like right here. <laughs> and then here is the father, and here is the son. And my head was right here. And um, Jesus is getting nailed to the cross right at my head, you know. <laughs> and um, and Bill, you do such an excellent job portraying the Father. Mm-hmm. It was just, it just hit me. You know, the Father seeing the Son nailed to the cross right before my eyes, right here. And I'm trying to be green, you know, and hold that position and hold that face. And I'm just crying. <laughs> going, you know, God is just doing such a work in my heart. Just to see things from his perspective, um, to see Jesus nailed on the cross, and and then him turning away, because it was so great, so hard for him, it was really powerful. Um, so that was a moment. Um, <laughs> there was another moment I realized how much I had changed during the debriefing time, and um, we everybody has three minutes to share, so we're going as fast as we can, you know, sharing through everybody and really wanting to hear everybody. And um, the people who've been there first year get to share first, and second year next. And I'm eleventh year, so I'm waiting and waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then we break, you know, for dinner right before I get to share. And I thought, um, and Penny sees me. I'm really sad because I wanted to share. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to get to share again. I didn't get to share last year. And I was so sad. And I thought, um, it's okay, as I understand. But um, I was really sad. And I was. Penny saw me. She said, you're okay? And I said, no, not really. <laughs> um, but, um, but what I realized is that I used to be, I would have been happy not to share. I didn't want to share because I didn't think I had anything of value to say. Mm. And then, no, I really wanted to share, and I didn't get to share. So I was like, what's up with that, God? I want to share. So anyway, it was so, yeah, I've changed. Um, really, going to Peru is better than Disney World. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, there's so much depth and growth all around you. You see it everywhere. You know, with the team, with me, with the Peruvians, um, I just love to see what's happening with others and what God does in my own life. So. And, and you did get to share. I did get to share. <laughs> I did get to share at dinner. We shared during dinner. Sharing <laughs> now. Sharing now. Sharing now. Yeah.
Okay, there are three white bowls over there on the counter. Can you all start to pass those around? And I need that right under, under your... Okay, Bill's putting up a picture. Oh, I get the picture. Um, okay, it's the first picture with the team. And um, it's really important that you look at this picture because... Yeah, take as much as you want of the candies there. Okay, if you look at this picture, it's um, in the Raleigh-Durham airport, and there are some people that are missing. Okay? There are some people that are missing on the team. Okay? Now, three of those people that are missing are Carla, a girl named Kayla Hargraves, and myself, because we were already in Peru. But there are really some other people that are missing from this picture. And those people that are missing are you all. Are you all. And I was ever so reminded of that and have been thinking about this all week, Simon, actually for two weeks, because when you all met us two weeks ago, Simon had done this picture right up here. Remember y'all came? But right down in the corner, it says, Love the Raleigh team. Love the Raleigh team. And those words have penetrated my heart. Love the Raleigh team. Um, Because, you see, what Tim said, it is ever so true. We could not do what we do without the prayer, without the foundation, without the undergirding. And... um, I have a, a, a role on the team that is not as visible maybe as doing the drama. And the role consists of things like uh, packing suitcases before we go and having supplies ready like the Bibles. And, uh, and um, thank you, Jesus, for Carol Polishak who has stepped in uh, to, to that position along with me. And, um, and we have the little cards, and we know that there are 800 people in that school, or 750, or 250, or whatever, and how do the supplies meet? And, and that role can be, I, I mean, it can be overwhelming, to tell you the truth, but it is not seen. Mm-hmm. Your role can be overwhelming, but it's not seen. But I tell you, if it's not there, it is really missed. And so I just wanted to personally thank each one of you for not being missed, (laughs) for providing that role, because none of this really would happen in the way that it does without every single part functioning. Now, um, June came really fast this year. I I don't know what it was, but it just came so fast. And And it wasn't just me, but we're all thinking, it's June? Peru? We're going to Peru? And, and it was like, wow. Um, this was a particularly difficult trip for me, personally. I mean, a lot of things, uh, why that was true. But I, um, I was exhausted. I found out uh, during the pre-trip that my sister had fallen and broken ribs and then one punctured a lung, and she has real serious asthma and breathing problems and I didn't know on Monday morning when we were going to get on a a plane flight to go to the jungle if I was going to go to the airport and get on a flight coming back to Raleigh or going to the jungle and it was it was agony for several days every time the phone rang I thought 
that it was my family saying that my sister had taken another turn for the worst and maybe even died. And it was, it was really personal agony for me until um, my cousin, <laughs> my cousin said to, to my family who was supporting me in whatever decision I made. Uh, my cousin said, okay, God has called you on this mission. You need to stay on the mission and share Jesus and let the dead bury the dead. And it was like, okay, if my sister dies, I need to still be pressing on in what Jesus said. But emotionally, that was ringing, um, just a real ringing out for me. Um, so, exhausted in this role, we go. Um, you know, in, in many of your roles, Carol Dyer contacts me and said, I've got some scarves. Do you think that, that people, you could take the scarves and give them? Carol, every one of those scarves that was given hit a specific spot in people's hearts. From Carla's family um, to Blanca and Ketty to pastor's wives to different ones. Everyone. Um, jewelry. Jessica, that you made specific jewelry up for Veronica. That was NC State jewelry. That other, somebody else gave an NC State uh, wolf thing. It may have been y'all, I don't know. And so many red and white kind of things. Well, Jonathan just graduated from Wake Tech and is going to NC State, but his mama hasn't been part of that. She's in Peru. When she got those things and was connected in with something and they gave her a Wake Tech bulletin with your name in it at your graduation, she broke. See, little things matter. Little things matter. They may not, it might not seem like a big thing to you, it was a big thing to Jonathan's mama. And other, other specific things, the ENA bags were invaluable to us during the outreach that Joy from Korea had brought and given and you had kept and released at the right time. Um, clothes, um, some clothes, that different ones, money, prayer, things that are not seen on a drama site still have a part in what it takes to send and go forth. Um, there were many times on, on this trip that um, this is the way I felt. Can, can you see this? It's a big old picture. It's broken. <laughs> it is broken, and it's got just a little bit in it. Can you, can you guys see that? It's got just a little bit in it. And this is a big old picture. Well, this was a picture of me and um, I had spoken at a graduation the day before we left and that had been I was in agony about making sure I shared the right words and then we had packed and we get on the plane and then Sarah and all this kind of stuff and and there I came with this much to give and here we came as a team now 26 people carrying suitcases we had Bibles we had all these supplies it, which seems like a lot to us, but in view of 12 million people, yeah. it's really not a lot. You roll up to these schools and it's like, we've got this little amount to give, I mean, in practical nature. But I tell you what, when that is empowered by the gospel of Jesus Christ, then this little becomes all that's needed with, with some left over, just like in the Bible. I mean, just like in the Bible. 
And um, so one of the main themes that, that I, there's several, but, but one of them is a little goes a long way mm-hmm. when it's in the hands of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where you are today and what you think you've got to give, but whatever it is, if it's a lot or if it's a little, it goes a long way in the hands of Jesus. Mm-hmm. See, in Crosswave we say, when, when we call somebody up and they're given a testimony and they may be, you know, their knees shaking and everything, um, do it afraid. It, I mean, if, you, if you've got the confidence to be able to do it, that's great. You know, God will meet you there. But if you don't, then do it afraid. Well, this year, not only did I have to do it afraid, I had to do it tired. I had to do it when I didn't feel like that I had much to give. And then in reality, I had to do it when I really didn't have much to give. But a little goes a long way when it's in the hands of Jesus. And um, I saw that the very first night. You know, everybody's doing the drama. I'm taking pictures. And I find this girl in the, in the lens of the camera. And for some reason, she just really stood out to me. And I believe that was the Holy Spirit was the reason. And uh, so afterwards, she was sitting with a Peruvian. Well, you see, I really don't speak Spanish. I mean, I know a few words and El Medico. I mean, I've taken the Amanda course, you know, for a little bit. And <laughs> um, but, but I saw this little girl, a lady was sharing with her, and, and all I felt to do was go over and sit down beside her. Now, I'm not sure exactly what I was going to say or do because I didn't know how to really communicate with her. But I did have a card in my pocket. I had a bracelet. And this lady was sharing with her, and I got a sense that this little girl did not know what the lady was really talking about with the gospel. And it needed to be simplified for her. She was 12 years old. So after the lady shared, she left. And I'm just sitting beside this little girl just to love her and sit beside her. And there was a translator that freed up, and I said, please come help. So we shared the, with this tool, and, um, and a translator that it was her first night translating, ever. We found out later she had wanted to be a translator with us for 10 years. Wow. 10 years she'd wanted to be a translator. The girl now is 19. So since she was 9 years old, she'd seen Crosswave roll in. And she wanted to be a translator with us. But she was new, and she was kind of stumbling with some of the words, and I was definitely stumbling with the Spanish words. But together, we share with this little girl, and she said she wanted to ask Jesus into her heart. And so we had taken Bibles from Concord Methodist Church. They had donated children's Bibles. First time we'd ever taken children's Bibles to Peru in all these years. And they were illustrated, and they were beautiful. But we couldn't just give them out randomly on the streets. We have other Gospel right. of John and different ones, but not these Bibles. But I felt that this girl was to get a Bible. So I went over to Bill, and I said, Bill, can we give this little girl a Bible? And he said, well, you know, give one, and then here's all these others. And then he came back to me, and he said, Mary, if you want to give her a Bible, you need to give her a Bible. So the question then becomes, how do we get this little girl Bible? Mm-hmm. Well, I had talked with another new translator on the way up and found out she lived in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. 
So I go over to her and I say, Maria, if I get you a Bible, can you slip it into your bag without anybody seeing it and get it to this little girl's home? She said, I can do it. So after we prayed and cried with this this little 12-year-old girl, we bring her over to Maria. Elizabeth, the new translator, had gotten the girl's information to follow up with her. And now Maria steps into the picture with this little 12-year-old girl. And she takes her by the hand with Bible in the bag, and she walked her to her home. So here was this one little girl that was off in the periphery that did not join a group, but she was in the the radar screen of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And two of these translators committed to follow up with this little girl, one of whom walked her home. I mean, a card is not a lot. A bracelet is not a lot. The, The Bible, I mean, it's the Word of God. That is a lot. But it's one Bible. Two new translators, not a lot. But in the hands of Jesus, it's a lot. It is a lot. So the thing that I shared with that little girl, Carla's word is sustainability. My word this year was valuoso. Valuoso. Which means valuable. You are valuable. And for years we had said, you matter to God. But this year I was able to say, you are valuable. And to me, it has a whole different connotation or whatever way that we'd want to say it. You matter to God is, is, is it's an important thing. But if something is valuable, something is valuable. That that's, takes it a notch higher to me than mattering. It's valuable. Jonathan, you are valuable to your mama. And she poured out her heart and told us that. We didn't understand a word. I didn't understand a word she said. But I understood her heart that she, that she said, you are valuable to her. Not just because of what you do and the way you call and all that. It's because you are her son and you are valuable to her. And uh, to say that to kids who had never heard, you are valuable. And um, it strikes at the core of who we are. Okay, well... I got to share my testimony the first, I think it was probably the first time in Peru ever I, you know, get to cast the net some and that kind of thing. But I got to share my testimony two times this year. And you know what the Lord was striking right at the core of my heart about? You are valuable. Because you see, I never really believed it. <laughs> I could tell other people they were valuable. I, um, but but in in my heart of hearts, I never saw that I was really valuable. I saw that I was worth a lot, that I mattered, that I could do a lot, and it's something that Jesus has been working on. He's been pulling back layers. He's been doing all kind of work for many years. Thank you, Pat Edgerton <laughs> and others. You know. But to see, you are valuable. And then, to stand up in front of 400 people or whatever we had at the testimony night 
in front of the whole church, people that have seen me and known me for 17 years, and I stand up and say, I never heard words from my daddy like, you are pretty, you are valuable, you are accepted, I love you. See, daddy, daddy was an orphan, and he said a lot of good things. He did say to us, you you are very special to God and He has a purpose for your life. I knew that. And my daddy had spoken that and those were words of life. But it wasn't like from the heart of my daddy speaking to a little girl who so desperately needed to hear those words from a daddy. Randy, you've said those words to Jesse. You said, Jesse, you're pretty. You're mine. I love you. But my daddy wasn't able to say that. And when your daddy can't say it, it really does translate to your heavenly daddy. And so daddies that are in here, mamas that are in here, words are important. Words are very important. You know, you all have said that to Anastasia. And she believes it because you're speaking it continually to her. Even if you make jokes and all that, she, you know, <laughs> she knows because she's hearing it from the heart of a father. But, you know, as a result of not believing those kind of things, you can get into a lot of stuff, but really you start believing a lot of things that, that I was thinking about it today. You know, if you go to the hospital and you, put your, you wash your hands and you think they're all clean and then you put them under some kind of ultraviolet ray type stuff, I mean, you see all the germs and the stuff that's on your hands that you just can't see with your natural eyes. And so the Lord gave me some... Um, ultraviolet opportunities this year to see. And all the while that this supply thing was like, whoo, and all the while that, that the Lord was doing this heart surgery, the enemy was working overtime with things that he was, he was saying, wanting me to believe, um, and, and I won't go into all of that, but, but anyway... Um, by the time that last outreach came, um, Bill said, I, I want you to share. I want you to share your testimony, wrap it into an evangelistic message. We'll do the drama, and then we'll cast the net after that. And so I, I came with this. Well, by the end of the week, I mean, that had even kind of evaporated. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, and I mean... Some people, it's like, yeah. And I was like, oh. I mean, I, I think I was about to throw up in that moment because here are all these kids, and how does a lady of my um, uh, maturity, <laughs> my, my, my years and, and, and growing in, you know, my experience, how does a lady like that connect with kids that are in the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, and 11th grade? And you know what? The Lord just gave a connect point. And, and then He showed up. And, and here's what I say. When, when you have to do it afraid or you have to do it tired, take a step in faith. Because He knows what's there on the inside that needs to come out. I didn't know that. He knew that. And so I'm standing there... And I'm, I'm being very vulnerable again with these kids about my life and what the lack of acceptance and feeling valued 
and um, different kind of things, what they had caused in my life. And I will tell you, a lot of sin can result from a desire to fulfill that need in your life. And so I'm tightening the chains. And I actually tightened them a little too tight but on, on that day. But then Jesus came. And through a source of, or you know, many different things, he began taking the chains off. Well, Bill was standing there as the toy maker. He was holding the microphone for me. And it just kind of happened naturally that as the chains came off, Bill's standing there, and he reaches out, and he takes the chains, and he didn't just take them, he put them on in front of these kids. No, we didn't plan that. But God did. That they have a visual picture of here is this person that has, over her life has lived in these chains and Jesus can take the chains. And that's how much he loves you. And that's you are valuable to him because he's created you. You have more value than the birds and the flowers and anything. But he also, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. We have that much value. And he takes that and he allows us to even be more valuable in the overall purposes that he has in mind. Jesus let me run dry on this trip. He let me run dry on the trip because I needed to see how great he is and how he can take little and make it much. And this morning when we sang your great name, the fatherless find their place. That's what he's doing. My second theme was it's heart surgery time. And um, will we let him do heart surgery on us this morning, wherever we are, with whatever we need? Um, I, in the song, What Love Is This? I followed that with a, or it followed me with a testimony. And it says in the very end, I confess you're always enough. And during the trip, he was basically saying, really? Let's see about that. Really? Am I enough? He really is enough. Final thing, there is a cost. There's a cost to all of this. And last week, driving to church, I, I, w- I mean, I was still processing and really tired and and just got hit with this wave of, was it worth it? Was it worth it? And I'm driving down, um, was that Timber Drive before you turn on Thompson? Yeah. And driving, and this thought comes to my mind, was it worth it to that little 12-year-old girl that you went? That little 12-year-old girl who's given her heart to Jesus? He could have used somebody else, but he didn't. I was right there. And one by one, different situations where I saw people come to the Lord or healed or all kind of different dynamics. He was saying, was it worth it to them? Was it worth it to her, to him? Was it worth it to your twins? Was it worth it to them? And I just have to go, oh, yes, Lord. No matter the cost, chains and all that he wants to take, empty that he wants to fill. Was it worth it to me? Yes.
Y'all want to hear Penny share something? Yeah. I think they do, Penny. Come on up. There's two things I want to share about you you don't share. So. Um, I guess I, was, I wasn't prepared to share because I really wanted to hear what everybody else had to say. Um, but I can say um, there is just nothing like the power of the love of God to change a life. And being it's such a privilege to be be used by God in such a way. It, it's, it's really just beyond description but um um and just seeing how god can work through you as he's working in you i i just was like blown away by all that too and didn't even know some of the things that he was was doing until like debrief time and i'm like falling apart but anyway i mean i cried a lot the whole trip and i'm like what is this i tried to stop myself and it just kept coming i was trying to hide here i am in the middle of the drama and just like Carly, you know, you're sitting there, and all of a sudden the reality hits. You know, here we are telling the message, and a lot of times we don't personalize it. You know what I mean? I mean, I could share with all these people and get up there and, and present the gospel, and I'm, you know, it's, it's God has done all this for you, and suddenly it was like, oh my, what he's done for me. Look what he's done for me. Look where he's brought me from. I'm like, Whoa. I mean, like I said, I did a lot of crying. But anyway, one of my favorite stories about what happened was um, we had a tour guide um, for, for all of our goings out and um, just a beautiful heart. He had a uh, tender-hearted guy, about 20, 20-something. 20 and um, um, anyway, we, we were sharing what we're doing and we were going to go to this plaza and he said, I want to come. I'm going to bring my friends. And uh, so we're like, yeah, cool, great. You know, and I didn't know if we'd see him or not, but we did. And he did bring some friends, and um, he he found me, and he says, "I want to translate for you." And I'm like, "Really? <laughs> this is great, you know." Um, and I didn't know where he was spiritually, but he um, he was like, "I want to translate for you." I said, "Great, come on, let's go." And I started sharing with this girl, and he was translating for me. And um, another one of our team members came over, and we were working together trying to share with this uh, young girl, and um, the whole time. This boy was translating, saying our words, of course, but he was saying, um, and it was like um, one of the scriptures, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and he was translating this, and he kind of looked at us like, did I just say that? You know, like suddenly the light bulb went on for him, and he got saved, and the girl got saved. So it was just, that's just the type of things that God does, just weaving all of this together, and to be used to do all that was just amazing. But um, um, I can share more about what God was doing in me, but uh, that's just a whole other story of just breaking some fears off of me um, that I didn't know how deep they were. Um, just feeling like eventually someday I was going to do something that would disappoint God enough that he was going to leave me. And that was just something really deep in me. And it was over something stupid. This this came to, to reality for me. I was one of the, the mimes in the drama. And I'm more of a follower than a leader. But one of my parts in the drama was to lead the the group of minds out and set the line and that was like kind of an important part you know you got to be in the right place or Jesus can't fit you know <laughs> kind of a big part you know? and I got nervous every single time I'm like I'm not going to lead him to the right spot you know and the whole time God was just working on me about this fear of failure thing and um, it just really was major I, anyway I'll just end on that note but it was just an amazing trip just seeing how God just weaves it all together and how he can work in you and work through you at the same time. And just seeing lives changed, um, I was le- much less into in, 
inhibited this trip and going out and witnessing the people and, and seeing that God was working through me to, to um, mm-hmm. lead people to Jesus and just to see the expression on somebody's face that really has just gone from death to life and they've just got it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it just, there's nothing like it. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm Thank When Mary was standing up there with the chains around, I kept having this picture of Julie with a snake around her. <laughs> I couldn't even yeah. you, know, you know that scripture that says, um, and if everything Jesus did was recorded, all the books in the world couldn't hold it. And um, that's what this is like. When when they came and told me that this um, unbelieving guy was translating for us, and he said, "And Christ died for for us sinners," and the light, his face became radiant for me. And God used a guy who didn't believe to lead a girl to Christ, and he got saved at the same time. And the next thing he wanted to do was go tell other people. Let's do do this some more. Julie told me, she called it a rush this morning. Um, At the moment, she said, exhilaration. She had felt exhilaration. This was on the last day. Next to the last day. Day 14. Exhilarated at standing in front of these 250 kids and sharing the gospel with them. Um, Tim, thank you for your... Creativity, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, and thank you for your prayers um, for the Raleigh team. Thank you for your prayers, um, Carla. Thank you for wanting to share. Mm-hmm. We all see God's doing a mighty work in you, don't you? And we we rejoice in in who you. Who you are. <laughs> we rejoice in her voice. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Um, and Mary, you are valuable. Mm-hmm. Not just because of what you can do. You're valuable as Mary. And there's nothing you cannot do with God. And I think you've always known that. And you've always applied yourself to that. And maybe you've, maybe you've applied yourself to that thinking that that's how you come, become valuable. And God really has got it the other way around. Uh, you know, all of, all of you have this place of value and importance with the Lord. And Carla, she described what I did, you know, behind this wall of sin, right? And, and you're just thinking, there's a father, and he sends his beloved son. And he calls this young virgin to, to give birth to his son. And then this woman gets, she gets a sword in her too. And what was God thinking? And then you think, and God, God gave his very best to save us and we crucified him. How angry would you be if people had rejected the glory of heaven as their savior? And yet he still loved us so much that even though we rejected him, he 
He, he gave us faith to believe. There's all these thoughts that just come to mind. Um, later I'll make a sermon out of it, but um, the Lord, what the Lord is dealing with me in this trip was um, the difference between dreamy love and active love. Because it's really, really easy to say, oh, I love everybody. It's just that guy next door I can't stand when, he's, when he snores. <laughs> or he blows his nose too much. Or he, he, he eats with his mouth open and I can't stand the smacking sound. And so I push him away. Well, where's, where's the love in that? I mean, I can love everybody. It's real easy to love everybody. But if I have to love Greg... <laughs> I mean, okay, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have to go now. Yeah. Um, y'all, y'all look on this. Y'all look on this other page. Um, well, this will be the last thing. Fifty-three. But thank you for um, thank you for your prayers for us. Thank you for the Raleigh team poster, Simon. Other than the Welcome Home Delaney poster, this was the first one I saw. Because <laughs> that one was kind of... The Welcome Home Delaney. Uh, one of the girls in, the, in our chair. Home was here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Home was here. Uh, if you want to go next year, let me know.